Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As you would expect, the papers are full of the National Development Plan, the government's ambitious National Development Plan, as so many are describing it, that was officially launched yesterday here in Cork. 165 billion euro, lots of different projects mentioned and they reckoned uh, the estimate is that the projects start at about 100 million but some of them run up into the billions. The Green Party straight away admitting though that some costs have not yet been worked out and even Eamon Ryan is admitting that what's included in the National Development Plan he's saying well we can't guarantee that everything that's included in the National Development Plan is going to happen. Eamon Ryan yesterday conceded the exact cost of some of the projects will be determined as they go through the tendering and the planning stage. Now I think he did make you know a fairly valid point that you don't want to tell people what the, what they reckon it's going to cost because that's where the bidding will start so they're they're allowing some of it they're going to wait for it to go to uh, tender uh, and as I say it was launched here in Cork and that could have been because I think Chuck Michal Martin is from Cork who knows but he denied yesterday that it was essentially a wish list because that's what people were saying is this just a wish list he insisted that the taxpayer will receive value for money as all aspects of Irish society he says are modernised and all of the society is going to be future-proofed. He said there is very substantial funding underpinning these projects. So he says, no, absolutely no way. This is not a wish list. We're going to see very large capital investment in the country isn't going to happen straight away though. It's going to be over the next 10 years. And out of the 165 billion euro, 35 billion, that's what's been allocated to transport. And that seems to be the one that's getting the most uh, attention. Uh, Now, the government also, by the way, vowed that we'll have 80% of our electricity will come from renewable sources by the end of the decade. And obviously from an environmental point of view and from the Greens point of view, that certainly was good news from the National Development uh, plan, but 35 billion euro allocated to transport, uh, which once again a commitment to deliver the M20 Cork to Limerick motorway. And we're going to be discussing the Cork to Limerick motorway uh, today on the programme and speaking with a group who are actually against it and saying it isn't good value for money and do we really need the Cork to Limerick motorway? So your thoughts welcomed on that. The Galway Ring Road, that's another project that got the go-ahead and there was other capital infrastructure plans. I mean, once again, I mean, you know, they're talking about the Metrolink, which will link the city centre 
right out to the airport and it does seem uh, crazy but probably one of the only European capitals that you land on a plane and you can't get a train straight into the city centre so that's back on the cards again but again a lot of people are saying that many many years uh, off because they've been talking about the Metrolink I think it's, it's, um, it's it, for, it got launched 21 years ago and it's still at the very early stages so I don't know if anyone flying into Dublin Airport uh, will be in the next 25 years expecting to jump on a uh, train uh, but the Cork Limerick and the Galway Ring Road are, are two of the projects that certainly have been uh, included in it and that's led to some criticism from some of our listeners this morning particularly listen, listeners listening to us in West Cork John uh, says looking at the plan yesterday no sign no no mention of the N71. Of course, no mention of the N71, says John. It is one of the worst, if not the worst, national road in the country. But of course, of course, West Cork doesn't ma- matter and it doesn't get mentioned in the 165 billion national development plan. And Audrey also... Uh, picking up on the N71 not getting a mention says the N71 is a dangerous country road and it will get worse with more hybrid working it is also meant to be the main roadway via West Cork and yet it's falling apart in some sections and traffic simply cannot make headway best of luck with getting Fine Gael members back after yesterday's announcement the N71 has been ignored again seriously says Audrey and you could almost imagine her putting a very angry emoji if she was typing out that particular uh, message and the opposition obviously came out yesterday after the National Development Plan was announced they're not too happy either Uh, the Labour Party dismissed it as a work of fiction Ger Nash of the Labour Party said it's an insult to the intelligence of the Irish people and it goes to the heart of the credibility problem of this slick, repackaged but hopelessly vague uh, plan. And the Social Democrats, their co-leader, Roisin Shortall, also had a pop off the plan. She said, how are people supposed to have confidence in a plan that is so light in detail, especially given a coalition party, the Green Party, is itself dubious about whether whether many of the road projects will actually be uh, delivered. So if you've had time to digest the National Development Plan, your thoughts are welcomed this morning. 1850-333-103. Irish Water, by the way, and Cork County Council. The engineers have been on to us. More problems with water in the North Cork area. We know yesterday we were announcing that the boil water notice have been lifted for Donnerwell. That was a bit of good news. But now there continues to be a problem in Mitchellstown and people who get their water supply from the Mitchellstown Public Water Supply Network. Now, we've been told again, this broke yesterday, there's no disruption to water supply, but they say that some customers may experience a water outage today. So that's, that's put people on high alert there in the Mitchellstown area. And if we get anything more on that particular story from Irish Water and Cork County Council during the programme, we'll bring it to you. Gorgeous photograph. I didn't see it actually on social media over the weekend, but the Irish Daily Mail are picking up on a gorgeous photograph on the girls from Gogglebox, the Cork girls from Gogglebox, Dawn 
and Dale. They got married at the weekend. They exchanged their vows here in Cork on a Saturday. Dale no, Dawn asked Dale to be her wife in a romantic Connemara proposal in October of 2019 and two years later the pair tied the knot with both brides wearing stunning white dresses and there's a gorgeous photograph. They had six bridesmaids wearing these gorgeous burgundy dresses and it really is gorgeous, gorgeous uh, photograph and if you are a fan of the Irish goggle box which I am and I'm a fan of the English goggle box and I love the celebrity goggle boxes and I don't know what it is but (laughs) why we all love to watch people watching TV and it's funny every time I sit down and watch it a comment will come out and I'm thinking I made that very same comment while I was watching the same uh, programme it's just it's great it's one of those delightful delightful programmes anyway and I think Dawn and Dale the Cork girls are two of the funniest on it they really are they're just they're and they're a joy to watch and you can see how in love they both are where they're both sitting on the couch together as well it's obviously so uh, we wish the very best of luck in their married life to Dawn and to Dale as I say their picture they put some pictures up on their own social media sites at the weekend in the Irish Daily Mail picking up on it today now Mara has contacted us by WhatsApp looking for some advice kind of ties in with yesterday when we were talking with Threshold and the problems that some people are having with rented accommodation. Samara says Morning C103. I have a question one of your listeners might know the answer to please. I rented a house from a private landlord in West Cork. There is a well for water. My question is, is the landlord required by law to provide clean drinking water? The reason I ask is my first rental property had a very shallow well and the water wasn't suitable for drinking. We found that out after testing the water may I say at my own expense so we ended up having to bring in clean water. Yes we were afraid to contact the landlord because we knew he wouldn't drill another well due to the expense. I'm now renting another property that also has a well and I'm experiencing similar issues. I know I'm not the only house renter with these issues. Any ideas, please, thanking you and that's from Mara. I would think the first thing you need to do is to get onto the Residential Tenancy Board. They certainly will be able to give you a clear answer. I would straight away say that yes, if you're renting a house, clean drinking water surely is something that should be in the tenancy agreement because even if you go on to the RTB's website and when they list what is expected of landlords I mean one of the things they say is to make sure that the property is in good condition and then you know maintain the property to the standard it was at the start of the tenancy but making sure that the property is in good condition I would assume would surely would also have to include clean drinking water I'm open to correction but I would assume that it would so I would get on to the residential tenancy board and actually I just went onto their website when I saw Mara's WhatsApp come in and they actually do those great you know the web chats that you can literally straight away type in your question and they'll come back to you with the answer and a lot of I, I, I certainly love to use those web chats because you can get an instant answer back and if you know if you don't want to be ringing people and don't want to be sending emails it's, it's a quick way of getting an answer back so I would certainly direct you towards the residential tenancy board and check it out with them but in the meantime we'll give a shout out and see because you're right you're not the only person renting uh, an accommodation that's probably in a rural area that has its own well but 
what what do you do when you discover you get the water tested and it is not suitable for human consumption it's not suitable for drinking how have others got around it and I know and I can sense that fear factor Mara when you said with your other landlords there was no point even drawing attention to it because you knew you knew your landlord well enough that he wasn't going to go to the expense of drilling a new well and you know it's what we touched on yesterday when we spoke with Threshold and the problems that people are facing with renting there's two issues at the moment is affordability but there's also availability and when people find a home that they're happy in in an area that they're happy in they're afraid to rock the boat for fear that the landlord will say well if you don't want to live here you know what you can do you know so I, I can understand that as well but 1850 if you have any advice for Myra, please. Or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, as we've just mentioned at yesterday's announcement of the National Development Plan, a commitment was given to build the Cork to Limerick. M20 motorway, a road that was first promised more than 10 years ago. While everyone agrees the current route needs upgrading, the motorway proposals have caused huge division and concern among landowners and business people along the route. The Cork Limerick Alliance Group has always argued there is a better option and joining me, their group's chairman, Brian Hyde. Good morning to you, Brian. Morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, your group has always said that the road does need improving. But why do you feel it doesn't need to be motorway standard? Well, if you look at the latest pre-COVID figures from early 2020, which shows the number of vehicles travelling directly between Cork and Limerick cities, is between two and 3,000 vehicles a day. Yet the capacity of a motorway in Ireland is 57,000 vehicles. That means the M20 would be grossly under capacity. In fact, it would be just at over 5% capacity. At a price tag of between 2 and 3 billion, doesn't make any sense by anybody's measure. So what we look, they projected uh, traffic volumes between the two cities uh, is forecast between four and 6,000 vehicles by 2030. So again, where is the justification of a motorway? Like what will we fully support is the ambition to prove connectivity between Cork and Limerick cities. But what we're saying is we don't need a motorway to achieve this, but we strongly believe that upgrading the existing N20 is the way to go along with investing in our rail network as well and taking out the bottlenecks of, on the road by bypassing Butterfield and Charleville and making online improvements to increase safety standards is what's needed and urgently needed. And doing this would improve a much more efficient and safer road in just over half the time it would take to build the M20 at a fraction of the cost. And I know I've spoken with you before. You've you've always felt that the better option, if you want a motorway uh, between Cork and Limerick, is to put it via care. Yeah, well, that would be what we are, we are saying. And we agree with both um, the Limerick Chamber of Commerce and the Cork Chamber of Commerce that the N20 does need to be upgraded, but not to motorway um, status. But the our argument has been in relation to, since Brexit has come about, the amount of traffic that's going out through um, Ross Lair has increased by over 300%. So what we are saying is go from Limerick to um, Care, connect onto the M8 and use the existing infrastructure that we have. Um, the M8 at the moment is under capacity by over 40% and they're spending 200 million now upgrading the Dunkettle uh, roundabout. 
M20 motorway, it'll arrive into Cork, into a bottleneck. So therefore, they're going to have to build a link road costing four or five hundred million to connect up onto the M8 to have access to our industrial base on the eastern side of the city and also to the deep water port. Yeah, and you worry about the motorway's impact on climate change? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, transport is responsible for around 20% of our overall uh, emissions in Ireland. and These numbers are, are scary. Uh, I mean, figures from the EPA show that our transport emissions in Ireland have increased by 145% between 1990 and 2019. And we are a net contributor to CO2, while the rest of Europe has successfully managed to drive down emissions. And are you surprised that a plan like this can be launched when we've got a Green Party transport minister? Well, I think that the um, the minister, Eamon Ryan, um, uh, is very much in in favour of what we've been saying. He's in favour of bypasses, uh, not motorways. And I think that if we look at a motorway, a motorway is designed to take traffic um, between uh, cities. It doesn't work with interurban traffic. Uh, what I'm saying there, when I say interurban traffic, that is that if you go from Mallow to Butterfund, you're not going to drive out six or seven kilometres to go onto a motorway, travel up the motorway, come back in another seven kilometres to get into to Butterfund. You're going to use the existing road. Mm. Mm. So what we're saying is to upgrade the existing road. That road needs to be upgraded. Yeah, I think you'd agree with Lisa and Mallow. Uh, says, uh, morning, Patricia, an upgrade of the N20 is absolutely cru- critical, but I'm not prepared to wait another 10 years for a motorway. Bypasses of Butterfield into Charleville plus localised upgrades to improve safety will deliver a faster and a safer road in literally half the time, not to mention at a fr- fraction of the cost that might actually get something done because people are frustrated, uh, like Lisa, about the fact that we've been talking about this for the last 10 years. Brian, talk to me about landowners and businesses in the area. How negatively affected by a motorway, if it goes ahead, will they well, be? It, it's going to take thousands of acres of prime agricultural land, uh, right from Limerick um, down to Cork, which is totally unnecessary. And, and then it's going to increase our carbon footprint by a huge amount. Why we're trying to reduce that, uh, why not just upgrade the N20 at a fraction of the cost. There is no justification. We have the traffic counts from their, the design office in, in Limerick and they're saying 3,000 vehicles between the two cities, that's 5, 5% capacity of a motorway at a cost of 3 billion. That, to me, does not make sense. Even their projected figures, as I said earlier, is a maximum of 6,000 vehicles by 2013 between the two cities. Like, Back in 2009, the figures were uh, 3,000 vehicles between the two cities. Now, that hasn't increased in 11 years. Yeah, and if if they do go ahead with it, uh, Brian, do you think it's going to face a lot of legal challenges? I would think so, yeah. There there are a number of groups um, other than the Cork Limerick Alliance group um, who are prepared to, to bring this to Europe. And I think, actually, Europe needs to be brought into the whole discussion, especially in relation to um, the carbon aspect of it. You know, um, as I said, um, transport, uh, the overall emissions in Ireland are 20%. Agriculture is 33.5% and industry is 17.5%. Mm-hmm. And is, there still isn't a final preferred route, is there? 
No, that no. is supposed to be uh, announced in the first quarter of um, next year. Okay, and what do you say to people not in my backyard and that's why you and others are against this motorway? Well, what we're saying, we're we're trying to be logical about the whole thing. We're looking at the cost aspect of it. We're looking at the traffic figures um, and the traffic counts um, from the design office. And to us, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to destroy prime agricultural land all the way right from Cork up to Limerick when there is an option to upgrade the existing N20 at a fraction of the cost to the, the taxpayer. And you will achieve the same aim. Yeah, there is there is an alternative. There is um, an alternative and it needs to be looked at. It needs to be, and there also needs to be a cost-benefit analysis done on this and it, and it hasn't been done. Okay, stay there because uh, Deirdre Hosford uh, wants to get in on this discussion. She's in White uh, Church. She's chair of the local residence committee there. Uh, good morning to you, Deirdre. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. You're... you're from what I can see on the screen, you're similar to what Brian is is saying. You, you, the road needs needs an upgrade, but it doesn't need to go to a motorway. Status. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, that I think that that's a big thing. I mean, none of us are against progress. Um, Brian's group, our group, any of us, we're all for the upgrading of the existing road because it's not fit for purpose at the minute, and it does need upgrading. But it certainly doesn't need upgrading to the status of a motorway. And again, I know. Brian has spoken about it as well, about this climate action bill and they're reducing emissions. So, I mean, you can't then, A, build the motorway and B, put cars on it that can go at 120 kilometres an hour, which would have a much higher emissions than a car going at 100, which would be a regular road. So, I mean, if the government are serious about meeting their emissions targets and avoiding huge fines for the country, which the taxpayer are going to have to pay, they're really going to have to up their game. And as well as that, I feel, um, you know, some of the information that's coming out from the project offices is more than skewed. One of those being we have crunched numbers from between 2015 to 2020 and we scored, the N20 scored the 10th on a scale of, of roads being most dangerous. We were 10th on that list and... The, the project office keeps putting out that it's the most dangerous road and it's the most dangerous road. It's not. Now, there are parts of it that are, and I mean, we all know out by the Ballybeg Bends, we all know out by Charleville, it's a bottleneck. But there are parts of this road that are very well performing. And one thing that did bring up those figures was actually the Waterloo Junction. Um, because, as you know, there was, there was a few uh, unfortunate incidents yeah, there. Yeah, road fatalities. Yeah, and, and they've solved that yeah, by spending yeah. €150,000 to, to do a few um, road alterations on the road markings there. And that's now solved. So again, do they want to add a, a cost of about £10 million for a piece of motorway for that section of road when they solved the issue that was there for 150000 Okay, and in, in your case in Whitechurch, uh, Deirdre, if the motorway goes ahead, it literally divides your community. It slices us. Our community is White Church in Waterloo. So, um, you know, that would be our parish. So, I mean, our feeder schools are in Blarney um, and they feed into our primary school. Our communities are very, very linked. And they're talking about running a motorway right through it. Um, also, what they don't talk about um, is the cost of over and underpasses, which they're not going to put in over and underpasses every every kilometre or so. So people are going to be having extra 
journey times to get on and off a motorway or cross a motorway um, to get to school, to work, to, to be involved in their community. And also what will happen is it'll make our local roads a rat run because yeah, people yeah. will be avoiding and, and, and at a time when we're asked to reduce our emissions. Okay, listen Deirdre, thank you for that. I want to bring in uh, Councillor Frank uh, Roach uh, on this. Um, good morning to you Frank. Good morning Patricia. You're also in agreement with uh, Brian and, and what Deirdre has been saying. You th- you think it needs an upgrade but it doesn't need a motorway. Oh, there's absolutely no doubt but it needs an upgrade. But like, if we're going to look at a motorway we're looking at compulsory purposes we're looking at all the, the, the bells and whistles. And what is actually doing, what we might have plans, but what we actually need is action. By, by the plans of me building new, a new motorway, it will actually mean that it will take another 10 or 20 years before it will physically start. Tomorrow morning, if, if, if they, they want to start upgrading the, the existing road, there's plenty on both sides of the, of the old Mallowcock Road. There's at least another lane of traffic that you could widen it. And fair enough, when you're bypassing Butterbent and Charleville, we might have to go for compulsory orders and get planning and things like that. But the vast majority of the existing road is owned by Cork County Council, and it should be possible to, to widen it and to upgrade it at a minimum cost. Okay, all right. Yeah, the, the ca- well, yes. sir, yeah, certainly we've, and Brian has very clearly outlined uh, the cost and, and, and the savings. I'm going to have to leave it there. Listen, uh, Frank, thank you for that. Uh, Brian, it looks like the battle goes on. Battle goes on, but I mean, there is an alternative, and I think the Green Party um, will be at one with us in relation to that. And I, there is no justification, as I just said, to destroy thousands of hectares of, of prime agricultural land when there's an option to upgrade the existing N20 at a fraction of a cost and achieve the same aim. Okay. All right. All right. We'll talk again, uh, Brian, in the meantime. Thank you for that. And thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Brian Hyde, who is the chairman of the Cork Limerick Alliance uh, Group, not in favour of the motorway. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. A lot of comments coming in about the M20 motorway and I will get to those, but I want to move to a different topic because last Last week, West Cork Dáil Deputy Michael Collins raised his concerns about the temporary closure of a residential house in Castletown Bear by Coaction. Now, we got on to Coaction last week and they explained to us that they were forced to close the house, they say, due to a staffing uh, issue. But what has been and what will be the implications for people living in that house? Well, we have, who will have to relocate. Um, Marie Brennan joins me because her brother John is affected by this uh, closure. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning. And, uh, and you're welcome. Now, I suppose just to put a bit of background to this, how long has John been living in this house in Castletown Bear? John has been living there since 1998. And along with John is my sister's brother-in-law, Noel. So both of them have are affected and both of them have been in the respite home since 1998. Living very happily there? Very happily. They're there Monday to Friday. So the background is there are two houses next to each other. One is a five-day respite home and the other one is a seven-day residence. Okay. So John and Noel and others utilised the um, five-day respite service Monday to Friday and then would come home at the weekend. 
And that, that's working out very well for John and Noel. Yes, it did. And then um, when the COVID lockdown happened in 2020, that house closed down. Um, in December last, respite services were offered to John and Noel one week every month. And this obviously helps the families a lot. Um, but unfortunately, it ceased in July of 2021 and without any communication from senior management. And when, so, when, when you say during the first lockdown they closed the house, that meant John came home full time, was it? Yes, John currently now lives between my two sisters. One of them lives in Allahees and she also cares for her brother-in-law, Noel, who was in the respite house. And then the, John moves on to Bandon to my sister there. So he's basically living between two houses. That's not ideal, is it? No, it's not, even though no. we have a very good extended family and he's come on great, but he does miss the routine he was used to. Yeah. He misses going to the workshop. Um, he misses his friends and the staff there. That's his life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So when did you hear that they were closing the house? Um, the Well, the seven-day or the five-day residence, we heard that back in July, and it was just by sheer coincidence that my sister had contacted the, uh, one of the staff members in the respite home and to schedule John's and Noel's uh, respite for the month of July, and was told, oh no, the house was closed due to staffing issues. So then uh, we found out that the seven-day residence was closing in November. Now, that would not have affected John or Noel, but it certainly affects the other three people who are being relocated to houses elsewhere in West Cork. And what, as a family, have you been offered for John? Nothing other than one week per month respite services from December to July. Other than that, nothing. There has been no communication uh, from senior management. We have not received any plans as to when they're planning on reopening the centres. Nothing, basically. So both the houses in Castletown Bear closed or will be closed. It's the end will of the month, isn't it? Now. Yeah, the, the end of the right. month. Now, Coaction, I mean, they sent us, I mean, we, we did ask them to join uh, if they wanted to join us on the programme, but they didn't have a, a, a spokesperson. So they gave us a press release and they say, you know, d- despite repeated adverts in local media, advertising online, going to 11 employment agencies, they say they haven't been able to recruit suitably qualified staff. Are there, is, are there no workers on the Barrow Peninsula willing to work in these houses? There must be, but the question is, are they being reimbursed on par with HSE staff? Um, I know the social care leader is a third level qualification. Um, I'm not sure if there's anyone in the Barrow Peninsula has that, but I'm sure that somebody would be willing to relocate to the Barrow Peninsula. And from conversations I've had with people in the Barra Peninsula, they were not even aware of the staffing shortage. Yeah, I know somebody else was saying that there they, they was um, ads, ads went up, but the people didn't realise that it was going to be in, that the job was going in Castletown Bear. People thought that the jobs were going in Bantry. That's correct, because um, the majority of the ads that I've seen mention Bantry. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 a really it's a really tough one. I mean, co-action. Now they did say that they're going to meet with local representatives uh, next week uh, to discuss the the crisis. But are you saying that as families, you haven't all been called in? That's correct, and I think they should be meeting with family members and just discuss the situation with family members and see if a resolution can can be made. And how is how is John uh, Marie? John is doing well. Um, he's very lucky um, that he has such a good extended family, as is Noel. But as I say, he does miss being there. He misses his routine. Um, he definitely misses a lot of the staff because he constantly asks about them. And has he high care needs? No, um, he's non-verbal for the most part. Okay. Um, but really, no, not high care needs. He does need to have somebody with him all the time. Um, because he's unsteady uh, walking. But other than that, you know, he can communicate non-verbally. Yeah. But it's the routine. It's, it's I mean, routine anyone with yeah, yes. anyone with an intellectual disability, it's just, it's that routine and they get into the routine and and sometimes it can take quite some time to get established into a routine and then they get to know the workers and... Absolutely. Yeah. And this is why he was looking forward to going back in July and then, of course, that will set him back when he realised, no, you're not going there this week, the week in July. Um, so, yeah, it, it is very difficult. But I think if if senior management would only communicate with the families and, you know, contact them, give them an idea, is there a plan? What, what's going to happen? Because once you close down a centre, as you know, it sets a precedent. Well, I know uh, when we discussed it last week, that was the fear factor with some people. You know, will will these houses ever reopen? I think people were fearful. Now, coaction are giving us no indication that that they're that they, they won't reopen into the future because they did say in their press release that relocating people they say is very much the last uh, resort. So you would take it from that that as soon as they can get the staff. Um, but you know, but how? I mean, if if they're going to the lengths they're going to, I I don't know how they. You know, where else can they go if they've been to eleven employment agencies, have advertised locally, advertised online, um, and they they say they still can't find people to work out on the beautiful Bear Peninsula. Okay, and as a, as a and John, you're lucky as a family that you've got support around you for John. Absolutely, that's we're not, very lucky. Yeah, that's not the case though for everybody. No, it's not. And some of the clients have elderly parents, so they have had them since the first lockdown um, without any respite or care. They may have had their week in respite, but then what happens for the rest of the time? Yeah, and there's a, lot, there's a long three weeks there, and I know elderly people looking after an adult child with a disability, it's their greatest fear, you know, what's to happen to them if something was to happen to them, you know, Absolutely. and yeah, it's tough. And that, that is a fear, if the houses will not reopen. Um, they need one social care leader, but, you know, there are other people, social uh, services workers, I'm sure that they're willing to work if they could get the leader and maybe just look at the pay. 
you know, okay. they're not on par with the HSE. Okay, that could be an issue. That could be an issue. Listen, uh, Marie, uh, we'll keep in contact uh, with you and keep in contact with us if you hear anything else. But in the meantime, okay. thank you for that. Thank and, you very um, much for having me. Best bye wishes bye. to John. Uh, bye bye. Bye bye. John is uh, lucky. He has a, a loving family uh, around him, but it, it's it's tough for families for sure. 1850 uh, John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103. 103. Now I want to quickly go to the phone lines because West Cork Door Deputy Michael Collins once again joins me uh, to talk about an issue that we spoke about last week on the programme we were speaking about again uh, today and it's the temporary closure of these houses in Castletown Bear by Coaction. Good morning to you Michael. Good morning. Uh, and you join us because you met with the management of Coaction yesterday. Yes indeed. Uh, I got a request on Friday uh, sent to me by email to uh, attend a meeting uh, on Monday which of course I accepted immediately uh, due to the importance of the issue and, and the urgency of the issue about the closure of, of, of um, uh, the, the residential units in, in Castle Dunbar and the moving of, of um, uh, several uh, people that are in, in there for many years to, to Skibbereen. Um, we met with management and met with board uh, members there. Um, I suppose I was a bit surprised that there wasn't a member from uh, the Bear Peninsula there. Obviously, they should have been uh, board members from Bear should have been there because they would have given the real facts as to the effects of this happening, but that wasn't the case. But look, we had what we had. Uh, obviously, they're talking about pay parity. is a big issue because of, of staff not being uh, taken on. That's a huge issue, yes, but that's an issue that can't be resolved between here and November. Um, I think uh, their pay is, is brought up to the levels of 2008, which is light years behind in, in reality to others, other sectors. Um, that has to be looked at by government. But I suppose the biggest issue was how do we avoid closure? And that was the whole point. And I think it was, it was a meeting that was uh, quite a lot of anger uh, and annoyance that maybe that I highlighted this issue, but I felt I had no choice because I wanted to stand by the, both the people uh, with the intellectual disabilities that are using the centre and their, and their families. And that's what they asked me to do. And I've asked them, uh, those present at the meeting after the hour-long meeting yesterday, I said to them, you have to look at two issues here. Um, uh, is it possible to relocate staff, which is not easy? And a board member did say yesterday that's not a very easy thing to do, and I respected that, but I said it's a lot worse to ask people to move out of a place that's spent their past 50, 60, 70 years living in, the, in an area and move them 100 kilometres or 120 or 30 kilometres away in some other home. And also I asked them to look at senior management. Is it possible to relocate senior management for a temporary period of time until this issue is resolved? And and I've asked them to look at that and and to come back to me in the next number of days, and we'll see what happens from there. Um, they have a staffing issue right across uh, the, the whole sector. Well, but okay, they they, they say, um, and and again, you know, if there's somebody from Coaction that can join us uh, on air, please do. They say repeated ads in local media, advertising online, and going to eleven employment agencies. Okay, what what are they offering? Are they offering full time jobs to people? Uh, that's what they're they're saying to us that they are offering full time jobs to people. Um, somebody said to me after the interview I had on the, the the radio last week or two that some people came in commenting that they applied for them jobs and they never got any responses back. That might be a bit unfair to throw that out there, but it was being said. That. But the bottom line is there is plenty of people out there with expertise and maybe maybe the job needs to be more descriptive about the exact location. Maybe we, 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 there's a lot of issues there, and maybe somebody can move into. To, 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 to work in a place like Bantry that, and it, it might free up other staff to move to Castle Tumbear. Just every option has to be looked at. No, they have looked at options, but I think they need to relook and relook. But closure is the last word. 
and and and, and the upset that, that that's causing. Yeah. And, and, and can I, can I also going. say, and I and I can see another text coming in on the same uh, vein, uh, communication between the management with the families. The, I mean, it, this thing of finding out because you you ring up requesting respite hours to be told, oh no, that house is is closing, and somebody else has said there's no communication whatsoever between the management of uh, co action. There has to be. They they need to sit down with the families and explain to the families what what is happening. Like somebody's making uh, the point that you know it was the local people in West Cork who put co action together. People, adults and children, uh, walked the roads to get the to get co-action started. The service users want to go back to be with their friends in their centres. They don't want to be in these hubs. The hours that they're advertising are not only for a few hours here and there, says this texter. Nobody wants that. Um, the What is the future ahead for our adults and children? It shows what we're up against. If it was uh, funding, they would be on looking, talking about uh, funding. Okay, that's a separate issue. But, 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 you know, the threat of that is communication. They need to be communicating with people. There definitely is a massive issue with communication and there's no point in I hiding that. Uh, there was great anger there yesterday that I had uh, brought this uh, to, uh, out to the, uh, basically to the public. But why, why hide it? I um, uh, contacted Coaction on the 21st of September seeking a meeting or a discussion to make sure that we don't bring this out to the public. It could be resolved. If it could be resolved locally. They said they responded to me on the 24th. I spent most of the day yesterday staff looking through an email that was never sent to me on the 24th. I got no response until last Friday and within minutes I responded to them saying I would take up the uh, opportunity to meet. So I can't wait a week and a half or two weeks and this is slipping in and slipping into October, slipping into November. Now we have people on this morning saying that nobody's consulting with them in management level and they need to have that. If something as serious as this is happening, it has to be at the highest level. The board need to have a meeting in Castle Dunbar. They need to be discussing this with the people in Castle Dunbar or anywhere else that it's happening. I was on the board of question as a volunteer for many years, so I know the workings of question quite well. And I'm just saying, I'm pleading with people here to sit around the table and come up with a solution that's workable. It's not easy. No, nothing is easy here. But it's, uh, there's, there's, there's a mistake after being made here, as far as I'm concerned, to close uh, that residential unit. And that that decision has to be rescinded for okay. the sake of the right. people that are in there and for the sake of the families and I'm standing by them until this decision is rescinded and okay. I will be bringing it up on the dog again as quickly as I can Okay uh, and keep sense. keep in contact with us Michael listen uh, thank, thank you. you for that and just, I mean and let's you know this is called a spade a spade Co-Action is a wonderful organisation and has done fantastic work uh, over the years but you know keep in contact and let families know what is happening communication is really what it is all about Okay can I just go back to some of the many comments that are coming in about the M20 motorway and our chat that we started the programme uh, with uh, today. Um, Heidi says, uh, Patricia, would this be an issue on the Cork to Limerick motorway if it was in Dublin? I think not. They just opened a new railway station in Dublin, two kilometres from another station, and they can justify that. If they can justify that, why not build a motorway? Hi, this is Colm on the M20. Leah Varadkar says the Transport Infrastructure Ireland have already re- ruled out the Limerick motorway via care. Brian and Dee spoke about having a bottleneck at Blackpool, but they want to send all the traffic towards the Jack Lynch Tunnel. The Jack Lynch Tunnel is already backed up, says uh, Colm. 
John says, Patricia, yesterday's national development plan is pie in the sky. Remember Micheál Martin set up the HSE back in 2010. He set it up at a time with a promise to eliminate waiting lists. Well, how did that work for him? We now have massive waiting lists and that was even before the pandemic. There are 750 consultant posts vacant and massive increases in admin staff, enough said, says uh, John. Hi, uh, Marie. Personally, I think the national development plan is great news as improvements to infrastructure are badly needed. What I am always wondering is why they don't have a train and are a bus stop at the north side of the city. When you're coming from Mallow, Galway etc for you, for example if you're working or living in Blackpool there's no way to get off. You have to go into the city first and then come back out to Blackpool. Wouldn't it be great for the city and wouldn't it be a relatively easy improvement on the Cork to Mallow train route? Uh, thanking you. That is from Marie. Thank you for that Marie. Hi Patricia. I had a good laugh at the government's 265 billion euro, well 165 billion euro fairy tale announcement yesterday. Do they really think people are stupid enough to believe that all of these projects will go ahead? Kind regards. That's Robert. Hi Patricia. The N20 must be upgraded to a motorway. Why? Because of the amount of trucks travelling from the west of Ireland servicing Cork and they're not going to go 50 kilometres out of their way to travel via a route from Care. Trucks are the problem. Stand in Charleville Town. Every second vehicle is a large truck and they're going to take the shortest route possible. It's all about time and money. When you are a truck driver they won't travel an extra 50 kilometres. Think of the cost involved. Hi Patricia, please forget about this motorway. It's a trophy project for the next 15 to 20 years. Make the upgrades to the N20 and do them immediately. Make our roads safer as fast as possible. Surely this is not a difficult task. Use the billions then they would save from this upgrade option to improve much needed services in our towns on the N20 route. Kind regards and that's from Colin who is with the Blackwater Action Group fighting for localised improvements and safer roads. Michael in Killavollen says Patricia we don't need to worry about the N20 being upgraded in the next 25 years. The Mallow to Mitchellstown Road was to take place 30 years ago. Then when the beat factory closed it was forgotten about. So don't waste too much time or energy on this program it won't happen. Generations of people's vehicles have been wrecked on the N72 and that's from Michael in Kilavollen. Mary in Kilavollen says, Hi Patricia, I think Brian Hyde, who spoke with you earlier in the programme, is making total sense this morning. Upgrading the N20 and bypassing Butterfant and Charleville is the best way to go. An upgrade could be done faster and at a fraction of the cost, making it a much safer route, route between Cork and Limerick. That's Mary in Kilavollen. John says, Morning Morning, Patricia. I agree 100% with what Brian Hyde was saying on your programme this morning. The way construction costs are rising at the moment, if the motorway goes ahead, it would cost up to four to five billion says John from Mallow and that's a good point because when we first started talking about the motorway back 10 years ago, how much it has risen in cost if it had been built 10 years ago very different price to what if it was built uh, today and Ross says just wait there now listening to the programme this morning the most expensive option is the one they're going to run with you can be guaranteed that's what will happen it'll be just like the uh, children's 
Hospital. 1850-333-103. Pat says anyone who says we don't need a new road between Cork and Limerick off their game or else they've never travelled on that road. It should have been done 40 years ago. Well, I think anyone who's against the motorway is not saying that the road needs to be upgraded. It's just how they're up- upgrading it is what people seem to be against. And some of your other thoughts, if I can quickly look at some of your other thoughts coming in on this. Jar in Ahada says, is there election coming up? It looks like the government are promising everything to win another election. €165 billion euro plan. We could spend that kind of money or some of that money getting people off streets sorting out our housing uh, crisis how much in debt are we and will we be when all of this has to be paid back politicians should not be delivering on stuff they can't deliver on well just while we've been focusing on the transport side of it with the motorway the National Development Plan contained a lot of other things uh, it does include housing integral to the plan is a massive ramping up of Ireland's house building programme in particularly they say in the provision of social and affordable houses to tackle the housing uh, crisis so housing very much has been mentioned as indeed with healthcare the National Development Plan promises to develop new acute ward blocks for example in some of their hospitals so health has been mentioned as well. Mark on Twitter at C103 Cork says if this is if politicians or any elective representatives attempt to stop the M20 or the North Ring Road in Cork, they will lose at the next election. It'll all be their own fault. They seem to have a hatred of motorists. Is shocking. Lucy says, if anyone would like to join me on my early morning commute from North Cork to Limerick, they will see exactly why this motorway is needed. The N20 is terrifyingly uh, dangerous. And DJ on Twitter says, have a look at what it would mean to the hinterland. Proper access to a good national road network would mean development in a huge area of North West Cork and Limerick bringing jobs build the bloody thing says uh, DJ and then Tim makes an interesting point he said the M20 would bring Kerry a step closer to a motorway network so it would have an advantage to the good people of Kerry as well so says uh, Tim Okay, that's just some of your calls and texts and comments coming in a lot of people very much I did say it in my introduction piece with Brian Hyde it is one of those road projects that really does have people divided and Mary has been on looking if anybody listeners can help with suggestions please anybody out there any idea for Mary to get rid of starlings they are nesting under the fascia and within the ridge tiles of Mary's roof and she wants to get rid of them and I'm open to correction but starlings are the ones that keep coming back don't they once they nest once they'll keep coming back is it not meant to be a sign of luck Mary now I know they can make ferocious mess and all of that and it's probably and I don't know if they're doing damage when you say that they're under the ridge tiles as well anyway let's see if people have any suggestions a problem with starlings nesting under the fascia and ridge tiles of the roof how does Mary stop them 1853 333103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 C103 Jobs Newmarket Credit Union they've got a vacancy for a cashier it's to cover maternity leave CVs please to d.barrett at newmarketcu.ie Receptionist and a kitchen assistant required to work on a community employment scheme CVs to cdaily at coonvira.ie Easy Years Practitioner 
oh, sorry, early years practitioner wanted to work under the AIM model. It'll be 15 hours per week. It's in the North Cork area and CVs to cleverkidssbm at gmail.com. And vacancies are available for healthcare assistance at Skibbereen Residential Care Centre. Call 028 23817 or email your CV to info at skibcare.com Court today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie You're listening to Court Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Labour Cork City Councillor John Marr took to Twitter to voice his anger on Saturday following the issuing of a parking ticket while attending the Mercy Hospital A&E Department. Councillor John Marr uh, joins me. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, I'm, I'm well. Have you calmed down? I could see in your <laughs> text you were, you were fuming, fuming. I, uh, it, it is, look, it, it's frustrating, I suppose, a couple of days after and, and, and the reason we were in the hospital that puts everything in context and you kind of, you relax, but I just feel it was, you know, I feel it was easy pickings and maybe that's unfair um, to, to the staff because they have a job to do, but I just think around the Mercy Hospital, as I said, we we were in a position where, where my nephew had fainted, he bust his face open, um, and when we got to around the Mercy area, first of all, there's building works going on there at the moment. You don't know where to park or where you can't park or where you can park, um, so I parked in on Henry Street, which was literally 200 metres from the door to A&E, because it was what I felt it was going to do its job until we got my nephew, until um, we got him settled, and we, you know, we got him into the with, with the with the experts, um, and literally came back when he was settled to find that I had a parking ticket. Now, how, how long was, how long were you parked there? Oh. Honestly, I'm going to say maybe 20 minutes or so. Were you on double yellow lines? No, 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 no. I was in a parking, I was in a bay, we'd say, you know, where I needed a disc. But obviously, the last thing in our mind was a disc, you know, was to get my nephew settled. Um, and then I came back. Now, the, the irony of it is that I didn't realise I got a ticket. I then put my car into the North Main Street car park, as you do. And I went back to the hospital. I was then told that only one person could be in with my nephew, so I left my sister there, and I said I'd go for a walk down North Main Street, and I called into a couple of, of shops, and, you know, just kind of, you know, I said I'd kill two birds with the one stone, and retailers were giving out, and shop owners were giving out about, um, you know, how parking is, you know, it, how people are illegal parking here, and set down areas, and cars would be left there all day, and me not knowing <laughs> that I've had a ticket only up the road. It wasn't until we left the hospital kind of two or three o'clock and we got home that I realised that I got a ticket. Um, Why? Did you, you know, not see the ticket on the windscreen? No, it was tucked away very, very, um, uh, very neatly in around the wiper. Oh, um, okay. You know, so yeah, so it didn't, and I suppose, look, uh, when, when we were dealing with what we were dealing with, you know, you're not, you're not in your... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, right I, point, I, I know. should have. How is your nephew? Is he okay? Oh, he's yeah, he's flying it, and all is good, and, and that that that's perfect. As I said, it's only now when you realise all oh, that's what really matters. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. I just feel that around the hospital area in particular, there should be a bit more sensitivity. Uh, you know, it just is an area at the moment. There's there's bollards up everywhere. I can only imagine. As I said, we were under uh, a kind of pressure. We we got a fright. And we were doing anything just to get to the A&E. 
And and the majority of people, I know some people will they'll always say there's abuse of A and E, but the majority of people turn up at A and E because it is an accident or it is an emergency. Yeah. And absolutely. when you're in that little bit of a blind panic, I you know I could I could appreciate you getting the ticket if you were parked on double yellow lines or you were blocking an entrance or you oh, parked in a yeah. in a disabled bay, but just because you didn't have a ticket up and only twenty minutes, if they had waited around a little bit of leeway. Way I think should be given, as you say, around it, the hospital. It, it, no, it should. And look, and again, I understand people have a job to do, but I just felt, you know, that when when it was outside the hospital, no, you could say, how did how did somebody know? But as you say, there should be that grace there. Um, you know, it was very early on Saturday morning as well. It was between nine and half nine. There, there, both again. I'll go back over my times, but I, I'm going to say it was in and around that time. And it's just, you know, outside the hospital. We needed to get in. We need to get them settled. It was fairly gruesome at the time, and you know, I suppose the irony of it was then that not knowing that I got the ticket, then to park in the city centre car park, and then just to spend the morning because I couldn't get into the hospital to go down to retailers and just listen uh, with with the councillor hat on, and and it was parking um, that came up. You know, and, not, and not parking people illegal, people illegal parking and getting parking tickets people just yeah, abandoning yeah, their it cars just, it was across the board you know there was again there was a number of retail but again there was issues of set down areas how how uh, you know how set down areas you know can be abused um, and the, they're kind of by what some shops were saying by the regular offenders but there's nothing ever done um, and then there was other things like you know that then some people would sit down to collect just whatever their groceries, and then they were being caught. You know, so there was a very, there was a very, it was a mixed conversation, mm. I suppose. You know, um, and little did I know while speaking about all this that I'd, I'd also yeah, I've got a ticket. Uh, well, Ma- yeah. Marion says, "Well done to Councillor John Marr for raising this issue. There needs to be a proper set down area for the hospital. Is yeah. there no set down area for the A and E?" Well. I, I don't know is the honest answer because at the moment it is all boarded off. It's, if you go up there, it's you know there's some work going on there. But I go back again to it needs to be rectified because if you are under pressure or you know like like I'll be honest with you, in our head nothing else mattered other than my nephew and I'd imagine that's with every person. Yeah, that goes at A and E, absolutely. It's it's with everyone. So like you don't look you, you know, and then you do have this fear of you know if I did park there for five minutes am I blocking an ambulance you know yeah. you know because you know as why we felt our emergency was the most important thing to us that's obviously not the case around the hospital you know there's far bigger things that happen as well so I just felt that I would throw in a, in a parking space which required a ticket and then the other side of it is even when we do when we look at tickets you know I mean you have to look around and where to get tickets you know like I just think at this day and age we need to be a lot more smarter um, you know, you can't do it on on your mobile phone or anything. Code. Well, again, do you know what? If if we, if we could, that was I suppose I wanted twenty minutes to get into the hospital. You know that kind of way. So, yeah. Um, but as you said, this, as, as one of your colleagues said, the set down area maybe needs to be reinforced or uh, signs to reinforce the spot because I didn't know where to go. Yeah. Um, Can you bring it up at council level? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, 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 it will. It will be something. And look, look, the fine is the fine, and that's life, and you get on with it. But I just think you don't want it happening to other people, especially when you've had the experience. Is that, and then thankfully, 
you, you can bring these things to council and we'll touch base with hospital as well just to see if we can if we can you know if we can make it easier for people that do have to that are that are in that position. Okay. And I think that's the big thing. That's the big thing. Yeah, it's a, and it's a war it. it's a warning to others if you're gonna have if you're dropping somebody off or at the hospital, uh, make sure you get your parking uh, ticket or you could end up with a parking fine. All right, John, listen. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Cork City Labour Councillor John Maher with the story of his... And he's doing his good deed, bringing his young nephew uh, into the hospital. 1850-333-103. John and Carrie Galline says, Trisha, I was watching uh, Reading in the Years, that wonderful Reading in the Years programme. It was back to 1966. Guess what? They were discussing the housing crisis. Same story today and every year in between, says John in uh, Carrie Galline. And thank Thank you to somebody else who said to the listener who has the birds nesting. Who was that? Wasn't there a name on that? Uh, Mary. Sorry, Mary's having the starlings nesting in her fascia and under the ridge tiles. Here's the solution. To stop birds nesting in the fascia and soffits, you buy something called a hairy molly from Cork Free Foam down in Cork. It's like a twisty brush and it fits in under your gutters. I've never heard of that. It's called a hairy mo- molly. And is the co- is the company called Cork Free Foam? I'll have to look into that. A twisty brush that fits in under your gutters. Anybody else using that? And has it worked to stop the poor old nest starlings nesting? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. A vet from County Louth has developed an environmentally friendly insect-based dog food. To discuss this new dog food called Omu, I'm joined by vet Dr. Frank Clark. Good morning to you, Frank. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks a million for having me on the show. Well, you're very welcome. I am intrigued by this. Okay, so the background. How did you come up with the idea for an insect-based dog food? Yeah, so I've I've been working on this now for the last few years, Patricia, and really, like, what pushed me to form Omu was a combination of two factors. Firstly, it's the environment, and, like, we're confronted the whole time about what's happening on our planet, and it's it's something really we can't ignore any much longer because it's getting to the stage that we really need to do something about it. And secondly, it's it's a combination, then, of the misconceptions that exist in, in the pet food market because there's actually a craze taking place at the moment with pet parents and and, and namely the, the raw food diets and the um, human grade meats that they're starting to put in, into dog food. And once you look at the figures, like there's, there's 400 million cats and dogs on our planet. And if, imagine if we started feeding all these 400 million cats and dogs raw food diet or human grade meat diets, the global warming impact that's going to have, it would just, it, it, it would go crazy. Yeah. And so what are the advantages or your dog food, what are the advantages over dog food that's currently on the market from the dog's own health point of view? From the dog's health point of view, so from uh, the, the, the insect protein themselves, so it's black soldier fly larvae is the protein source that we use in, in, in Amu. And that's actually a highly digestible protein source. So this means that it's really important because um, our dogs are able to get to break it down and get the most nutrients from the, the actual protein itself. And we also know that black soldier fly, it has a higher amino acid profile and they're like the building blocks of, of protein as a higher amino acid profile when you compare it then to say chicken breasts, which, which is incredible. 
but AMU itself, there's so many benefits to it than, than just it being an insect-based dog food. But I think the insect side of it is, is really in Ireland what, what we're interested about because it's such a novel idea. Yeah, and has it been used in other countries? It has been, yeah. So across Europe, there's, there are a few other companies that have been doing it the last few years. But it's, it's, it's. I think, it, it, I, I'm, I think it's, it's something that's so novel in the Irish market that it's, it's. We're just going to have to take time to, to get around the idea that insects are actually so beneficial to our dogs. And I do believe down the line that it, it, it's going to come into the human nutrition side of things as well. What we're all going to be eating insects. I'd say so, yeah. There's uh, Michelin's five-star restaurants across the world that are serving insects, so well, that's it's true. definitely that, down the line. That, uh, that's true. And you've obviously taste-tested it on the dogs. What's the reaction? They love it. They absolutely <laughs> love the taste of it. So it's, it's, it's highly palatable. So it's more palatable than even than I expected. So we actually did a, a feeding trial just before we launched. So we've had dogs on, on this food now for the last few months. And the, the feeding trial was really to look at the palatability of the insects and the food in general, and as well to look at the stool consistency. So um, to make sure that it wasn't causing any diarrhea or any gastro upsets. But the palatability was incredible. Dogs loved the taste of it. There was no issues there at all. And then from a stool point of view it was actually it was causing a normal less odorous solid poos in some dogs that even suffered from from diarrhea and gastroenteritis so it was it was fantastic success well done well, well done and of course we know with humans we have the famous saying you know you are, you are what you eat and i'm assuming yeah. it's the same with our pets is it it is, yeah, but I, I don't think they're going to sprout any wings now and fly off enough anytime <laughs> soon. But um, no, definitely, it's, it, it's, there's so much, um, there's so mi- much min- uh, misinformation out there as well on the pet food market that I really wanted to create. Um, basically, I, I, I created Amu and I created this recipe to hopefully prevent a lot more of the, the, the common illnesses you see daily as a vet. So like dental disease, skin disease, gastroenteritis. So these are things that, that, that we could prevent by, by a proper nutrition like, like Amu. Yeah, and, and we know that some, uh, some pet owners have a problem with their dogs putting on too much weight and, and a lot of that is to do with treats, isn't it? And just because I'm having a cup of tea with a biscuit, I think Fido needs to have a biscuit as well. Exactly, yeah. We've sort of instilled our own ideas into our pets as well. So one of the misconceptions that's out there as well is, is that we, we think grains are actually the leading cause of allergies in dogs. And I think that whole idea comes from gluten intolerance in humans. And we've sort of pushed this onto the dogs ourselves. But it's, it's actually a, a misconception that grains are, are not the leading cause of, of allergies. It's actually the protein source in your dog food that, can be the lead, that, can, that, that causes the allergies. So like uh, chicken and beef and, and um, eggs, they'd be the causes, the, the main causes of allergies. And where are you producing your OMU? Yeah, it's produced in the Netherlands. So the, the farm, the insect farm itself is in the, in the Netherlands and we've went with a manufacturing facility in the Netherlands too that has, that has incredible um, uh, Q&A, quality and assurance protocols in place to make sure that it's, it, it's a super safe food to feed our dogs. Yeah, and I was on your, you have a great website, I was on your website yesterday and you know, like reading some of the reviews from some of the pet owners, particularly I was really interested, you know, when you know, one was saying that her dog suffers with very bad skin and yeah. uh, flare-ups and, and breakouts and, and they'd worked out that it was based because of what the dog was eating and that's all, that's all sorted itself out. 
Yeah, so like I just said there previously, it would be the protein source that would be linked to allergies in dogs. So food-related allergies themselves are actually quite rare in, in, in dogs and, and in small animals. But if, if you do find out that your dog has a food-related allergy, then it would be the protein source you should look at. So beef, chicken and eggs were, were the leading causes. But actually, more recently, we're starting to see more lamb and um, salmon as well causing allergies just because we've been feeding it for so long it, it, to our pets, to our small animals. But if, if you can feed something like a novel protein uh, diet, like the black soldier fly larvae, which is a fantastic source of protein in itself, if you can feed that to your dog suffering from allergies, then, then they, they shouldn't have any flare-ups. And this black soldier fly, do we have these in Ireland? No, they'd no. be in the warmer climates, so okay. down in Spain, South America, the, the US, but they're not endemic to Ireland at the moment. Okay, all right. Listen, um, well done. And you're, I know you've got your products on sale on your, your website. Are yeah. they on sale in shops? Pet no, shops, it's, no? It's, it's just at the moment on, on the website. Just I, I, I wanted to start off on the website to get the, the idea out there to the Irish people before starting to sell it in shops. But um, I do... Like I expect it to be a slow process, but this is this is what's great to be able to speak about it and to be able to um, tell the truth of, of of how beneficial insects are. So hopefully down the line we'll be able to supply it to the shops. But at the moment it's just online. Okay, some questions. Hi, is it a wet or a dry food, and where do you buy it? You buy it online, and it's omu o m u u pet dot com is is the website. Uh, is it is it a wet or dry? It's a dry food. It's a dry kibble, dry extruded. And somebody else wants to know, is there a great idea, any chance that you'll bring it out for cats? <laughs> cats, yeah, 100% down the line. And what was really funny is during our feeding trials, uh, a lot of owners had to feed their dogs in a separate room from their cats because their cats were actually going in to eat the food as well. Now, this isn't, uh, this isn't formulated for cats, but it makes you realise because cats are such picky eaters that it, it, it's highly palatable. Dogs will love the taste of it because even the cats were wanting to eat it is really interesting but down the line definitely we will expand into cats Okay and someone else says could you ask um, the, the vet it's uh, Dr uh, Frank uh, Clark is it suitable for a fussy eater I have a Bichon Freeze who's incredibly fussy when it comes to dog food Yeah 100% so uh, we, we actually have a lot of dogs that are fussy eaters that um, took to, to Omu straight away and some of them will, will have a little sniff at it, they'll have a few little bits of the kibble and then maybe a day later they'll, they'll be eating the full bowl themselves. But just on the packaging, there's, there's a few steps on, on, how to, on how much to feed and how to introduce your dog to Omu as well. But the first step will, will just, it'll show you on the back of the packaging, um, start off, say, um, 25% Omu, 75% of your other food and then you pr- progress over 10 days to 100% on Amu so it's a slow introduction of, of, of the new diet Okay well done well done and the name Amu explain where that came from Yeah so Am um, the word Am um itself means one universe so I, I really wanted a brand that can connect, say, humans to their pets, to the environment as well, because the environmental side of, of, of the, the food and, and how environmentally friendly the black soldier fly are, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And I just, I really do believe and I'm passionate that we're at a stage now that we, we really have to start looking after the planet because there won't be a planet if, if, if we continue the way we're, we're going for, for ourselves and for, for our pets, for our cats and dogs as well. So, yeah, you're so yeah. right. You're so right. This is definitely the pet food of the future we wish you luck with it Frank and thanks, thanks a million, million for, and thank you for taking time out to talk to us no brother at all good morning to you bye 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 that yeah. is uh, Vest Frank Clark from County Louth and it is Omo.
O-M-U-U and the website is omupet.com well worth reading it up it's, it's fascinating actually I, I spent <laughs> I spent a while yesterday reading up all about Frank and about this uh, Omu uh, pet food because you know as, as he said in his website he wanted to create an environmentally friendly pet food that gives back to charities worldwide struggling to protect nature and its uh, wildlife he is certainly a good uh, guy and we wish him luck with it there was an earlier text in and my apologies Anna I'm only getting around to it now saying hi I'm just wondering do you know if the clocks are going back or are they staying at summertime hopefully they are says Anne well I come being the bearer of bad news to you Anne the clocks will go back we go back an hour don't we it's on the it's the last weekend in September it's not the weekend of the bank holiday it's the weekend afterwards so it's the Saturday into Sunday morning of the 30th the 31st of October most people kind of say it's the Saturday night because you, if you've got to if you're setting any of your clocks you do before you go to bed but officially it's at 2am on Sunday the 31st of October and I know we've had all of those discussions about when are they going to get rid of summertime and wintertime and just it's an antiquated thing that we do it was done 100 years ago for a very different time in a very different era the EU decided a number of years ago that they were going to stop it they were leaving it up to each individual country then to go away and discuss what they wanted to do and then kind of COVID hit and it sort of very much got put on the back burner. I haven't seen it being discussed at all, I have to say, this year and that's because of COVID, whether it will come back on the agenda next year. I imagine it will. But for now, you'll have an extra hour in bed on the last weekend of the month, Sunday, 31st of October at 2am in the morning. Let's take a break. We are heading to news at uh, 12 midday. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Julie was on. She just wants to acknowledge and say thank you to a young girl who was at a queue at Supervalue in Newmarket. And Julie said she only had a couple of items. And this young girl said, would you like to go ahead of me? And Julie said she was just really touched by the kind nature of this young girl. Because she said, you often hear of younger people and people giving out about them and all of that. And she just said, I just felt it was just complete kindness in the way she spoke to Julie as well. And Julie would just like to publicly acknowledge her. We don't know who she is, don't know her name or whatever. But if you were in Supervalue in Newmarket and you left somebody else pass with her few bits, you made that person stay. So well done, well done. On the starlings, when we had Mary, who's having the problems with starlings nesting in under her fascia and under the ridge tiles of the roof. Charlie in Whelan says tie a plastic bag near the roof and it blows in the wind. The starlings get frightened and then they don't come back. Whereas Colm in Butterfant has given up. (laughs) He's just come to learn to love the starlings. He said you really can't do anything about it. He said he did read something though in Ireland's own a while back that some guy had come up with a system that sends out some kind of a signal that only birds could hear but he he was only able to direct it in one spot so the starlings then moved off to uh, somewhere else uh, but he said he t- 
doesn't know what the what the device is called, but it was some kind of a signal that it sent out to make the starlings. But they just have a tendency to move to another spot, so they might just move to another area of Mary's house. In the end, Colm says he's just given up and he's learned to love the starlings instead. And somebody else, Esther is kind of making similar says, Hi Trish, just listening to Mary and the suggestion that came in about the hairy mollies to try to stop the birds nesting. If everybody used that, then surely we'd have a housing crisis for the birds too. Embrace them and let them live their lives too. Sit back and enjoy watching them, says Esther. And yet they can make a bit of a mess, but you can clean it off, power hose off the mess that they make. And we'll try and learn to live with the starlings as well. That's from Esther. Thank you, Esther, for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Michael is on about the National Development Plan that we spoke about in earlier on in the programme. And, so, and I mentioned that the opposition came out, of course, as they would do, as soon as the National Development Plan was announced and they gave their reasons for being against it. Michael said, I'm really sick of listening to the opposition on about the National Development Plan. According to them, nothing is right. So where is the opposition's 180-page National Development Plan? Let's see their National Development Plan. Let's see their aspirations written down on paper, not plucking this and the other thing out of the sky. Then we can have a balanced discussion on both of their merits. Being in being opposition for opposition's sake is simply not healthy. Remember, only in government can you do something really do something not end up being a hurler on the fence rural Ireland needs billions spent on infrastructure because without infrastructure you are in immediate difficulties it is the foundation that matters without a solid foundation it's like building a house on sand the opposition need to row in now with the government and tweak the plan where needed as it's the only plan in town thanking you says Michael but this is that that unfortunately is the role of opposition isn't it and the current government who are in power now if they end up in opposition say the next time round they'll be the exact same it's one of the things always frustrates me about politics and it's I think it's the one reason I wouldn't for all the tea in China become a politician it's just having to say the right thing all of the time and be you know and you're right we should have but that's more on the line than always having a national government where everyone agrees. I think the closest we got to it was back at the start of the pandemic. Remember, we had just had an election, the pandemic hit and the government hadn't been formed and everybody seemed to row in and work uh, together. But that's a kind of, I suppose, a different form of government to what we have at the moment. But thank you, uh, Michael, for your uh, text. And Martin is on about, Hi Patricia, they say you must pay more money to attract the best. I don't know what that means in revenue. As there are some wise guy are guys who cut a tax bill of a pharmaceutical company from 1.6 billion to a mediocre pittance of just under 300 million euro. With the other 1.3 billion plus, what that could have done for this country are for children who need specialist uh, treatment. I'm raging over it, uh, says uh, Martin. And what Martin is talking about, it's the US drug company Perigo. Now they are they're an Irish registered firm. They were formerly known as Elan. I think because when I heard of Perigo, I was like, oh, I haven't heard of these before. I had heard of Elan and then Elan was acquired by Perigo in 2013 and I haven't really heard of Perigo but they're one of these pharmaceutical based companies, US company that's based here in this country and Martin is right. They were hit with a tax bill from revenue and it was a tax bill of 1.6 million. It was a revised tax assessment by revenue and it dates back actually to 2018 and it was over alleged underpayment of tax relating to a transaction with 
the rival farmer company, Biogen. We've all heard of Biogen. Anyway, so they were in this discussion and they were trying to hammer out a deal between Revenue and the company. They did go to the High Court, but they failed to get a revised tax bill at at the High Court. And then they were having an appeal with the tax appeal commissioners. But anyway, they decided between the jigs and the reels, they all sat around a table and they hammered it out. And Martin is right. The tax bill was reduced from 1.6 billion. It was reduced down to under 300,000. It was 200 and I can't remember the exact figure now, but it was under uh, 300 million. Now, the company Perigo said... Though while the company believes that its tax position was correct and would ultimately have been confirmed by the Tax Appeals Commission, given the risks inherent in any litigation, as well as the ongoing costs of what could have been years of litigation and the uncertainty would have created, the company and the revenue commissioners have agreed to settle them out. And now revenue, I haven't been able to find anything from revenue as to how they managed to go from 1.6 billion, how they managed to drop down to a figure of it's 297 million, because it seems like a huge huge difference from 1.6 million down to to just a little over a quarter of a million. It just seems like a lot of a quarter of a billion. It seems like a big, big let off of their tax bill. But that's what's happened. And I think they were given so many days uh, to pay the money back. Now, a lot of people were very annoyed about it. I think a lot of people were annoyed because they were making the point that if you go through any of, you know, when revenue print people who've been caught by revenue who've underpaid for, for their taxes, you'll see the the am- amount of tax they owe back. And there'll always be fines as well for not declaring the tax and that's for the ordinary Joe Soap and the ordinary business person in this country and yet you can have a massive huge US pharma company have a tax bill reduced from 1.6 billion down to a final offer of 300 million I can see how it annoyed a lot of people but at least it is 300 million going into the coffers here but thank you uh, Martin I don't think you're you're the only person who's absolutely raging that that actually happened 1850 103. I mentioned that the clocks are going back at the end of the month because somebody was wondering is that going to happen? So somebody else is saying Patricia does that mean that we will be in a different a different time zone to those in the UK? No because the UK are also putting their clocks back the last Sunday in October. The only way that that discussion came up about would we be in a different time zone to the UK would be if we went with the EU and decided that we weren't we were going to remain on summertime and we weren't going to put the clocks back but the UK decided they were going to put the clocks back then we would have a situation on this beautiful island of Ireland that we could have two different time zones but no both the UK and Ireland and the rest of the EU are moving with wintertime at the end of the month and then when I was speaking with the vet the lovely vet Frank Clark in the last hour about this environmentally friendly dog food that he's come up with that's insects it's made it's insect based a Douglas listener says am I missing something here were we not told to let our lawns grow wild for the insects and now we're eating them are we getting our dogs to eat them am I missing something well you are missing something in that the insect larvae that's used to make this particular dog food is something called the black soldier fly that doesn't live in this country and if you want to if you have spare time this afternoon and you want to find out more about this black soldier fly it's the larvae from it that they use to make the dog food they these seemingly these black soldier fly 
larvae are some of the Earth's natural recyclers because they feed on clean food waste, fruit and vegetables, which would have otherwise been destined for landfill. And their byproducts are even used as fertilisers to grow more uh, vegetables. And see me, what happens is, unlike traditional farming, the larvae are slightly cooled to enter a state of hibernation and then they are processed. So it isn't insects in this country that we're actually using them. I think he said Holland, wasn't it, is where they're actually being uh, produced. Uh, what else has come into us? Let me take a quick look down through. No, I got through all of those. Okay, 1850 This was something that somebody was asking yesterday. And lo and behold, this is to do with the bank holiday. You know, our COVID pandemic bonus bank holiday. People saying, has the date on that been announced yet? Somebody asked yesterday. I was thinking, we were talking about it all of last week and then it kind of disappeared again. Lo and behold, opened the papers today. And here we go. It's back in the papers uh, today. With It's Leo Radker has raised it. And he says he is he would like to see an an extra he's obviously was he's it was one of his suggestions, not with the government, to give this reward. It was mainly for frontline workers, but every worker would benefit from an extra bank holiday. And the Taunister now, Leo Radker, is more in favour of holding off on this extra bank holiday until February or March of next year. And some of the possibilities that he mentioned yesterday, one would be a four-day weekend around St. Patrick's Day. And another one that seems to be gaining momentum is to make St. Bridget's Day a, a bank holiday. Holiday St. Bridges Day, obviously the 1st of uh, February. Now, the government is expected to announce both the pandemic bonus for frontline workers. They're now not going to do it until after the budget and they'll also then at the same time announce this additional bank holiday which will be for everyone. But the suggestion around St. Patrick's Day is interesting. Leo Radker is pointing out that St. Patrick's Day next year falls on a Thursday. And he said, would it be an easier way to reward the country with a much needed extended break by making the Friday an additional bank holiday. It would also, by the way, be the second anniversary of the COVID pandemic's outbreak. So the idea would be that you'd finish up for work on the Wednesday, you'd have Thursday, which is St. Patrick's Day, you'd have that off, it's a bank holiday, and the Friday, just for one off, would also become a bank holiday, so you'd have uh, four days. Leo Varadkar is the minister in charge on signing off on this bank holiday order. But he said nothing yet has been decided by the government. He said he's they're listening to what the public has to say uh, on it. They also obviously are going to have to consult with unions. They're going to have to d- discuss it with employers because there's a knock-on effect for businesses. Some businesses will make money. We know something like 20 million euro can be generated by having a bank holiday. So bi- some businesses benefit. But for other businesses, there's a cost factor they either have to close and pay their way, their workers or else if they're open, they're going to have to pay premium pay because it is a bank holiday. So employers have to get in on the discussion uh, as well. He said, but the main idea behind this additional bank holiday is also a day of remembrance and a day of Thanksgiving. You know, he said it's important that we see it as a day of remembrance for those who've been lost because of COVID, but also as well then a day, a day of Thanksgiving for all of the workers and all of the volunteers who went to extraordinary efforts during the pandemic. He said a number of possibilities are under consideration, both for November. Initially, I think when it got spoken about, it was November everyone was talking about, but he said now they are very much looking at February and uh, March. When he was pushed about St. Bridget's Day, because it's 
the one that gained, I think, the most momentum when we first started talking about the bank holiday. He said that St. Bridget's Day is one that he would like uh, because he also said it gives people more time. He feels if they announce the bank holiday for November, it will literally be too soon. You know, he's saying people will need to organise their lives, their rosters, shift patterns and things like that. So, but he said it's still it's still definitely an option. But he said the preferred option would be to hold off and have it either in February or uh, March. And he also pointed out that the gap between New Year's Day, 1st of January, which is a bank holiday, and St. Patrick's Day, the 17th of March. No bank holiday in between. So he said it would be nice to stick maybe St. Bridget's Day in the middle of that. But he said there is also, they are looking at this possibility of a four-day weekender for St. Patrick's Day. And I wonder how that would float Would people like that. It'd be like having a little bit of a mini holiday in the middle of March. 1850, but it still hasn't been forgotten about. That was the point that somebody was making yesterday. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. This weekend's home bingo books are now on sale in Kildallery. They've got a snowball a prize this week of €100. Euro. There is a the centenary celebrations of the Clonbannon ambush that's going to take place this Saturday. Now, it'll begin with Mass in Derenagree Church. That's at 1.30 on Saturday. Then it'll be followed by the ceremonial duties and then there'll be an evening of refreshments and entertainment which will be held in Drumtariff Parish Hall. And a vintage run in aid of cystic fibrosis that will be held next Sunday it leaves from Drumtariff Drumtariff Parish Hall and registration will open at 10.30 on Sunday morning Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie now if you were tuned in yesterday you would have heard a number of our listeners were having were contacting us about delays in parcels and packages coming from the UK and uh, some people have been waiting up to a month for a package that had been sent somebody else had traced their package to Dublin but it still hadn't uh, arrived and Jenny was one of the ones who contacted us yesterday because a package had been sent after a month and she said lo and behold the package arrived today exactly a month after it was posted in the UK so well done glad to know that you got your, your package uh, safe and well now we did get onto on post to find out what was going on because when we got the first call in we just thought oh, maybe it was one random package that was missing but then we had a flurry of calls and texts in from people saying no I'm waiting on, on a package as well so we got onto on post and they tell us that stringent new EU customs rules governing non-EU goods came into effect on the 1st of July this year and obviously this is all done down to the impact of Brexit. Some customers in Ireland buying from smaller or specialists, non-EU retailers in particular, are experiencing significant delays and some actually, they say, are not receiving the goods at all. But they say gift parcels being sent by family and friends in Great Britain to Irish uh, addresses have also been Im- impacted, which I didn't... I can understand the EU customs rules, you know, governing when you're buying something in the EU and I can understand that, but I still don't quite understand why friends and family sending on parcels. So I suppose... It's a little bit of a cautionary tale for anyone who is planning on sending parcels either over to the UK or 
if you want to talk to your loved ones and they're planning on sending you Christmas presents, they may need to get them in the post um, uh, early. Uh, and obviously on post go on, you know, to say that the best way is to shop within the EU. But that's OK. What we're talking about here are parcels coming from 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 loved ones. It isn't really down to shopping on post. They say are working with Irish Customs, Royal Mail and other non-EU carriers to help them solve the issues. And they're also going to be providing advice to customers across multi-channels on how to get the most from shopping online and also how to avoid the pitfalls with delivery delays or non-delivery. And on post is delivering a guide to online shopping. They'll be mailing that out to everybody's address. In the meantime, they're advising customers receiving parcels either online or personal goods from friends from outside the EU that includes the UK to check with the sender that they're completing the appropriate documentation for any parcels they send and obviously they say if you are experiencing any delays at all to get on to onpost.com but good to know that Jenny's parcel arrived and did you survive the major outage on social media platforms last night Facebook WhatsApp and Instagram hours of disruption and it was worldwide it was gone I think for about six and a half hours in total the outage now it's been deemed one of the longest social media outages ever faced by the company and of course the knock on effect for you see it was it, it was for Facebook was uh, because they own Instagram and WhatsApp so when something went wrong with Facebook the knock on effect uh, because they, they all they're all linked. All three of them went down together, but the the share price fell by more than five percent. And of course, for ordinary users, many of the apps were simply inaccessible. But the disruption then also led to issues with internet services. Vodafone Ireland. Uh, were one and then there was a number of air customers who also had a problem with connectivity. Still can't work out why what happened in Facebook, why that would have an effect on Vodafone and Air, but it, it did. Users of Facebook and other applications first noticed the outage. It seemingly started at about half past four uh, yesterday when people discovered they couldn't access the websites. Mobile phone feeds were failing to load. WhatsApp users kept getting the loading wheel and the connecting message, uh, but they couldn't access new uh, messages. Facebook's internal systems, which are used by their employees and other apps such as Messenger and Facebook, they all went down. Facebook have, wait for this, 2.85 billion users worldwide. WhatsApp then have 2 million and Instagram have or 2 billion and Instagram have a further 1 billion but actually Facebook at 2.85 nearly 3 billion users of Facebook at worldwide it's an incredible figure and because of that Mark Zuckerberg the Facebook founder woke up this morning and discovered he's 7 billion dollars less well off than he was yesterday due to the falling share price. The Bloomberg Billionaires Index, quick off the mark, they have moved Zuckerberg. He's now gone to the fifth richest man in the world yesterday. Uh, His combined wealth is 120 billion, so losing seven wasn't too bad. But it does mean he now falls below Microsoft founder Bill Gates' fortune, which he probably won't be um, happy with. Uh, But they, you know, they went on to say that it was something to do with the domain name system. There was some problem caused with that because there was the possibility that it had been some kind of a sabotage but it but it wasn't. And they said they actually said for it to have been an outside attack 
of the type that it was, the way it shut down Facebook worldwide, it would have required exceptional technical capabilities and expertise. And they reckon even the scam artists don't have that type of technical capabilities and expertise. So they realised it was something internally, but it did take um, about six and a half hours before they got the situation under control. And as of yet, it is still unclear, as I say, how the outage of the world's biggest social media platform, how it led to the disruption in internet services for some of the Irish providers but all is good with the world today and everything has returned to normal and John made me smile and said hi Patricia as you know Facebook and WhatsApp went down for six hours yesterday I ended up having to talk to the wife she sounds really nice Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie This is the Court Today replay on C103 we were talking about Mark Zuckerberg losing all that money from his uh, shares and he woke up this morning 7 billion euro less well off but he still has 120 billion so I don't think he's exactly worrying, worrying about it John and Clan says Patricia I woke up this morning and I felt a billion dollars you know why? I had my health you're dead right uh, John thank you for that and we talked about delays from the UK in posting items listener says Trish it's not just the UK I sent an item to Offaly from Cork it took three weeks to get there that was about a month ago well I wonder why I wonder could I post explain why that took so long because I sent a package a parcel last week a friend of mine had a baby and I'm not going to get to Tipperary to see the baby probably walk by the time I get to see the chat so I sent on uh, the parcel and I posted it and she had it early the next morning it was incredible less than 24 hours delivery so well done to one post there OK Joe Heffernan uh, joins me good afternoon to you Joe good afternoon Patricia. and we're talking about gambling because mm. we started this last week we were talking about gambling and the reason that we brought it up is we know since the start of the pandemic unfortunately this is one of the downsides there has been uh, more and more people unfortunately getting sucked into that world of uh, gambling and lo and behold watching the news How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Following our piece on Tuesday, very sad story on the six o'clock news on Tuesday evening. Yeah, the parents of um, Lewis Kill. They only found out about his gambling addiction in his suicide note yeah. after he died by suicide in 2013. And um, they started um, uh, a charity called Gambling With Lives. And uh, it's hope, they're hoping they're, they're going to do uh, talks uh, in schools, both in the North and in the Republic, hopefully, um, because he was you a know, young, to highlight he was a, the dangers. He was a young man. He was a young man, and um, they had no idea that he had a, a gambling problem. Now, apparently, I think he was uh, living and working in Leeds. Um, but, uh, you know, nobody really realised uh, what was going on. Mm. And then, lo and behold, I turned on the telly last night, and I tuned in to Clare Byrne, and there was Con uh, Kilpatrick, uh, um, who was brilliant um, in the All Ireland Tyrone footballer, and um, uh, he was talking about his gambling problem. You know, and he mentioned that he was getting help with it now. Thank God. And uh, and he mentioned Orshin McConville, um, who another um, great GAA star, um, and it seems that sportsmen uh, quite a bit. Um, uh, are you know prone to maybe just having a bet on a match? Yeah, and getting and, and, and getting sucked into getting sucked into that world. Yeah. So today, um, we we just want to try. How would you know? I mean, I think that's the worry because I think when that family, very brave, and I think it's fantastic what they're doing, setting up that organisation. But they want to go public because they want to get the message out to other families so that no family will suffer the way they've been fam- suffering with the loss of their son. So, so you want to talk a little bit about. You know, how how would you know if somebody had a gambling problem? You know, what, what should we be looking out for? Right. Well, now, one, there are a few things that seem to be from, uh, you know, um, uh, research or people sharing. Um, uh, if a person is very secretive about online usage, always another room kind of thing. Um, uh, a person who can be very evasive uh, on the subject of money and um, if they are uh, doing uh, bets that um, they will lie about the amounts invested you know it will always be a couple of bob each way or something like that when in fact it could be uh, much more serious Um Sudden, inexplicable mood changes. A person is fine at two o'clock, and uh, you you couldn't say a word to them at at quarter to three, and and you're wondering what happened. Um, uh, I even that lad last night, no, Con Kilpatrick, 
shared uh, one of his sentences was, I wasn't a great person to be around, that he was very snappy when things went wrong. And then he could be in great form when 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 a bet would win. Um, so sudden inexplicable mood changes. Um, neglecting relationships and friends. Becoming all tied up in today's wins or losses and tomorrow's um, uh, bets. And um, it becomes um, all pervasive in a person's life. It takes over their life. It takes over. Um, yeah, yeah. That lad last night now was even sharing that he wasn't sleeping because he was um, either either high or low about how the day went and wondering where would money come from tomorrow and um, and and all of that. Um, and of course, there can be an awful lot of borrowing going on from friends and relatives. Now, again, that chap last night did say, like, he could make up stories to beat the band. All addictions uh, include lying, yeah. every one of them. Um, and, you know, it was either that he was going on a holiday and he was a bit short, or the car insurance had come up and he needed to renew, and all that kind of thing. But it was all going um, on, the, on the betting. Yeah, anything to get access to, to money, which will also include... Stealing money. Absolutely. And that can be from family members as well. Oh, for, for sure. That's probably where it would start. Um, indeed, indeed. Um, previous, um, you know, interests and hobbies. Again, no, not focusing on one person a lot, but I mean, it was only on last night. Um, that uh, training and that, um, you know, the focus wasn't there. Um so, um, uh, spend, a person spending excessive, absolutely excessive time online, um, unexplained long absences from home, you know, may dash out suddenly saying, oh my God, there's something I have to do. And that would be probably a notion about this match is coming up or this um, whatever is coming up or uh, that, uh, that, that race is about to start in soon. And uh, out the door um, to get on a bet. The kind of, yeah, that kind of thing. And a person may become quite withdrawn um, from socialising and, and that. So, you know, these would be indications of something being wrong. And if there was enough of a combination of those involved, well then, you know, one might surmise that maybe there's a gambling problem. Yeah. And yeah. and the best thing for family members, you know, I'm, I'm conscious of family members, is is to, you say, educate yourself about problem gambling. Find out what it actually means. Right. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the likes of what we're doing now today, the likes of Claire Borden last night, the likes of... Um, the 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 news item and the uh, gambling with lives charity yeah to kind of um to to take notice of those and um and, and actually of somebody Jim yeah. Jim one of our listeners just pointing out that there's an article in today's uh, the Star newspaper um, about 
that gentleman you're talking about, uh, Con Kilpatrick, the yeah. Ireland winner with uh, Tyrone on his ga- gambling addiction, so people can read right. more in the, in yeah. the Star. All, all of that helps. Yeah. It, it helps big time. To know the phone numbers and resources um, that the person might choose. For, now, the, 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 the contact for GA Cork is 87 285 9552. And I, I rang it yesterday before um, saying it on air uh, just in case that it was an old number. And it, uh, But no, it got answered. And I spoke to a very helpful man. And uh, he said, Yep, yeah, um, this number is active. So that's a, a very, very good one to know because it's, uh, you know, uh, down south, it's, it's that bit local. Uh, GA National would be zero one eight seven two double and Problem Gambling Ireland again it's a mobile number um O eight nine two four one five four zero one. And I know you'll have those numbers. We will, yeah. We'll have them all on file. And get a if, chance to write them down. And if, yeah. you know, if somebody is concerned about uh, a loved one, it's to try to broach the subject, try and bring up the topic. Because a, a lot of people who are in this throes of addiction, they desperately want to get out of it. But sometimes they don't know how. Absolutely. I mean, that awful story about that young man um, that took his own life, um, uh, he left a note saying he needed some peace. So his head was obviously addled from uh, the goings and the comings and the wins and the losses and, and the, the money situ- situation. So that, like, uh, even the money side of it, while it can become extremely serious, um, like as a 21-year-old, Con Kilpatrick was saying, that he owed between ten and 15000 And um, that's very, very big money for a 20-year-old, a 21-year-old to, to owe. And um, so that, like, uh, also it's the mental health side of it. He needed some peace. Now, if uh, a person who might be listening um, uh, or knows somebody uh, who maybe has the problem... Um, the thing to do would be to pass on the information because um, there, is, there is help there. There, there. there absolutely is. And there are literally in the world, uh, there are millions, millions of people who, who are in recovery uh, from a gambling addiction. So there is a way back without a doubt. But you need there to, you, you need to reach to out. encourage the person to seek out the help. And I know, um, I know next week we're going to look at this in a little bit more, more detail, particularly from living with the compulsive gambler, because yeah. it isn't just the gambler that gets affected. The whole household gets affected. And, you know, we'll talk around things like, uh, like uh, Gammonon. And I believe you have another yeah. one of those 20 questions for people yeah. to have pen and paper. But, uh, but yeah. we'll do that, that next week. But to anybody who, you know, listening today, who they themselves know that they have of a problem it's to reach out GA Gamblers Anonymous is there you've seen people come back and come out the other side Joe oh absolutely absolutely I've spoken to many people um, uh, in my own practice and um, yep they're in recovery uh, doing well 
uh, probably happier than they have been in many, many years because it's like getting out of prison, really, um, to uh, to get into recovery from any addiction. Okay, 087-285-9552. That's the Cork number uh, for GA. And uh, Martin says, well done to C103 and Joe for talking about these addictions. A problem shared is a problem halved. Talking can be so healing. Absolutely. Okay, Joe, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And uh, we'll we'll chat again next week. That's Joe Heflin and Joe runs a counselling practice in Bohabui. His number is 086 Eight three four eight one four five eight three four eight one four five. And before I go, a reminder to you that Focus Ireland's Shine a Light Night. Uh, which is supported, proudly supported this year by Board Gosh Energy, is taking place on Friday week, the 15th of November. And people all over Cork will be sleeping out for one night. And obviously it's to raise funds to help end homelessness in this country. So Focus Ireland are asking people to host your own Shine a Light night. Now you can do it in your business, business if you can do it in your workplace, or you can do it in your home, you can even do a sleep out in your your own garden and if you are going to do it they're asking people to please sign up and play your part but it's the actual night of it this year is Friday October the 15th and you can find out more by visiting focusireland.ie forward slash shine a light that's shine a light proudly supported by Board Gosh Energy uh, with C103 at Cork and I would like to see as many people as possible to get involved in that because as Focus Ireland as indeed all charities have really struggled with the pandemic with fundraising etc and I know that China Light has been they've, they've been doing fantastic work with that and people have taken that night and have actually slept out just to see what it is like but for, for those of us that do it as a charity we do it for one night knowing that we have a comfortable bed to uh, go back into so if anybody can help out please do uh, focusireland.ie forward slash shine Alish. that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you tomorrow morning for Wednesday's edition of the programme at 10 o'clock until then Patricia Messenger look after yourself and stay safe Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to cmig.ie Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.